0: You I know. are so <laughs> beautiful
1: to
2: me, to me I know. Do I like that line <laughs> do I like that last note or do I hate it? <laughs> it
0: really jumps out at you. I think uh, it's both. Motherfucking
1: goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> All right, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to one fucking hour. Uh, I am of course uh, Evan Husney, joined by my two usual dudes here. To my left, we got Tom Fitzgerald. Sub Tom?
2: Hey, how we doing? Uh, I thought we were gonna call it one flipping hour, the PG <laughs> version. Is that <laughs> oh. not taking a take? No. Well, we will oh, yeah. address we will
1: address that controversy here shortly, uh, which we definitely should. But to my right, first and foremost. We are joined, of course, uh, also by uh, Marcus Herring. Marcus. Aloha. There it is. There it is. That's actually more That's appropriate now. Yeah, <laughs> That's your catchphrase. That's <laughs> the catchphrase. For our new rebrand. For our new rebrand. That, that'll fit nicely. The Aloha um, Kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, YouTube is deciding to flag our videos for the 18 plus crowd only. Probably, presumably, based upon the name of the show. So, um, yeah, that's fun that we're gonna be what one bleep an hour now,
2: guys. What are we gonna be called? One ooing hour, uh, <laughs> flipping, flipping. I can live with one effing. I don't like effing. I don't Ooh. know. I don't like any of it. Yeah. Our name is an yeah. Hour. Yeah, you have to several. change it
0: for that one person under eighteen who <laughs> stumbled across our yeah. videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: exactly. like to Todd in Boise. Yeah,
0: you know. <laughs> this is yeah. for you, Todd.
2: Yeah,
1: let
0: us know <laughs> sorry, when you're eighteen. And sorry, sorry,
2: sorry, Todd.
1: Yeah. yeah, sorry, Todd, and let us know when you're when you're legal. Um, yeah, all right. <laughs> Well, I just want to give a special little kudos shout out to last week's episode. I had a fucking blast on your birthday, Marcus. One fucking yeah. hour in Star Wars was actually 10 times better than I ever thought
2: it would be. I loved it. Yeah.
1: So, I, I, I actually watched it.
2: I watched it. I don't always watch them, but I was like just entertained. I was like, these guys are great, man. This is <laughs> fun. I mean, this was just really stupid. It's, oh. like, it's like us and like me and everything, that I'm watching and it, was, it. I was entertained. I like but, that uh, guy on the left. Yeah, 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 he's all right. But the um, really the 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 MVP was smoldering corpses. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: yeah, that was that might be why we're flagged. Yeah, by
2: YouTube that made it that that too. (laughs) Yeah, they yeah. thought we were showing like a snuff video or something. But. It's hard to believe that any, anything
0: Star Wars would be flagged on YouTube. I know, it's like,
2: unbelievable maybe? for many reasons. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, if it but is, it it's going to be it's going to be Aunt Baru's smoldering skeleton, and uh,
2: and that hard rated X film, The Swimmer, that we did a few weeks. ago, Yeah, too. exactly. That got flagged.
1: Well, it's basically a naked man running around for an hour, so maybe that's maybe that's why.
0: Sure. It looks yeah I at a glance it looks like nudity. I guess. Yeah. There's some. There are some. There's some butt cheeks in it, though, right? (laughs) Sort of. Not not really.
2: I don't think so. No. Joan Rivers gets naked. It's true once in a while.
0: Well, you know, my parents are big fans, and they were. They were pointed out in the swimmer. Something we didn't talk about is that Ned doesn't have a pool. Oh, we know that. Is that said
1: in the film? Do we know that?
0: They said. Well, we'll have to go back and double check. But (laughs) there's a line where they're like, "You don't have a pool."
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh. okay. Okay damn well shout out to marcus's parents man for yeah one up in Deep the cuts yeah one up in the boys over here all right so um Fish cuts <laughs> all right
2: all right, all right. Can I well, have, buddy? <laughs> yeah all right see you later Motherfucking goddamn. <laughs> all
1: right so uh let's talk about this week um this fucking hour really excited about hard right Ooh. turn from fucking star wars but in early 80s great we are doing one fucking hour on albert brooks's modern romance so um, I'm going to start that countdown so we can get into this episode here. Um, so here we yeah. go. Start starting the clock right now. All right, everybody. I'm just going to give the uh, everybody the quick primer here on the movie. Um, I kind of clipped this from an AV club review that I actually quite liked uh, about the movie. Um, so Modern Romance is the 1981 anti-romantic comedy directed by and starring Albert Brooks as Robert Cole. Uh, he's a film editor whose on again, off again girlfriend, uh, Mary, played by Catherine Harold, have nothing in common and make each other miserable. Yet he can't cast her away because the idea of her with another man drives him absolutely crazy. Brooks pushes his neurotic persona to near pathological extremes, yet the film consistently finds humor in his sick obsession. He's committed to making it stick, but the days that follow are like a painful detox session, which he survives by any means necessary, including quaaludes, vitamins, and jogging. (laughs) So... Well well said. That is um, Modern Romance. And guys, I had a blast. I just finished it minutes before uh, signing on here. And... um, man it's super, it holds up I just I, I actually really love this movie and this movie er, this movie this time it hit harder for me because it is so dark you know like at, at first glance like you, you kind of get wrapped up into the charm of this movie a little bit with the performance and everything but he's such a nutcase and he's so overly neurotic and so painfully um just like damaged that by the he end of really the last is. By that last 10 minutes, you're like, Jesus Christ, we are on a ride uh, following this person who is uh, really, I don't know,
2: quite fucked up. <laughs> you know? He needs help. He needs at yeah, least yeah. Some therapy, you know. Yeah. But, uh, well, just for me, like, um, this is uh, one of those major films I've seen countless times for decades. I didn't see it or anything when it came out. I, maybe it was on cable. But it was like when I was in my twenties and thirties and stuff, it was just like, it was actually on cable a lot. And I was, I just was always like, I guess now I know what I'm doing. I'm going to watch this when it would come on. But, um, I think, you know, blah, 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 blah. It was very entertaining for me though. All those times I've seen it, but there was one time in one of the, you know, in the middle of the hundreds of times I've seen it that to speak to what you're saying. Um, there's a scene right in the middle of the film. It's before Mary calls him back and mm-hmm. says i like the giraffe and he's desperately waiting for that because you know they break up at the start and then he like immediately regrets it and is like um you know uh, calling and leaving gifts at her house and um he's waiting for her to call back you know and confirm like yes i want to be back with you and it's nighttime and he's wandering around in a in a great lonely city which is los angeles you know what i mean and uh it becomes kind of noirish and, and very specifically I'm, I'm bringing up this one scene he, at some point he's just wandering around the pier and there's some old man on the phone and he's like, Hey, and he's wait. Cause he, uh, sorry. Albert wants to get on the phone and of course call his girlfriend and check his messages and stuff. And this guy's on the phone like, Hey, I know you're with that doctor. I wasn't born yesterday. I'm no fool. And the music gets really like kind of dark with like uh, bell tones and there's no joke in sight. And it's just like, it just kind of like, uh, the next shot is him circling her house it gets kind of oj <laughs> you know so anyway that stuck with me because i was like wow he um pulled all the way back from uh like ha entertainment mm. and uh and, but you know right there in the middle what do you guys think you know R- real how- real
1: quick real quick watching that actual section of the movie today um <clears throat> i a hundred percent was like this is the tom section of this movie and it's so it's so interesting because like I was like yep that's going to be talked about definitely on the show tonight just this sure. section because it is it it does stick out because the the movie doesn't really have that much music at all really and yeah, that section point. it it just swells and becomes this real sort of like cinematic moment where he is really kind of at the bottom he hits his kind of rock bottom with yeah. you know his jealousy and all that stuff but one thing i think that's really interesting is like I kind of go back to this movie being the kind of, you know, romantic comedy uh, sort of in reverse or like a romantic comedy on its head kind of idea because of course the way that it's formatted is that it 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 begins like how it should end, right? It begins with the breakup, right? And then it's all weird because they get back yeah, cuz cuz but then they get back together in the exact middle of the film. You know, and then mm. they wind up and then of course there's, you know, they wind up getting back together, but then of course they're going to break up at the end of the film. And right. it's it's and just maybe really reconcile
2: and as yeah, the, scroll, yeah. the scroll says that, you
1: know. Right, but it's so interesting to me that it's really a deconstruction of that of that genre, but also cuz it has all the tropes even though it's in the wrong order. In the movie it does make references to other to to, to films, you know, the fact that you know he's an editor and he's he's cutting movies and it also makes reference. There's one kind of throwaway line in the in the in the film when Albert Brooks and Mary get back together finally and they're in bed and he says something like, "I know the difference between movie love and real love." You know, and it's this whole idea of like referencing, you know, love in movies and the fact that you know he's he's an editor and all that stuff. You know, and so it is kind of a deconstruction. Of how love or relationships are looked at in movies, and it's totally subverted because you realize by act three, like I was saying, you've been following a fucking psychopath this whole time.
2: <laughs> I know exactly, like, and um, you know, uh, again, oh, oh, well, I was gonna say, this came to me in the last time I watched it. You know, there's those um, re edits on YouTube where there's the comedy trailer for The Shining. And someone could muster that up or, you know, like, like a, you know, like a spring break movie or something, but then uh, inversely someone can and, and did make a horror movie, Harry met Sally. And I never checked, but it would be almost too easy to make a horror movie trailer for modern romance. I mean, the the scene I just talked about, but there's another shot that's very chilling where, um, They're at the cabin. She goes out to the phone booth that's at a distance and, uh, she's laughing, you know, and, and, and closes the, 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 the the door thing. And, uh, it just, it has this implication if you're insane, like him, like, oh, I don't want anybody to hear me talking to Jim in New York, you know? And, uh, it just, it has two times that they cut to him just staring in this, you know, dimly lit cabin. And it looks like fucking Friday the 13th, or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, uh, you know, that, that would be a very successful edit. And if anybody, or exercise, and if anybody wants to do that, take modern romance and make a horror trailer, <laughs> once the, the one fucking hour, your one fucking hour friends would really appreciate it. Cause we'd love to see that. It's, I'm too lazy. I don't do it. But like, um, anyway, we're just getting on that tangent where, uh, I think the other thing, with that in mind is um more and more i'm finding him a pretty repulsive character like uh very unlikable to like everyone basically and very rude and um obnoxious not with intention but with um disregard you know like uh like for instance he goes on that date that he made on quaaludes to that woman he doesn't even remember on the phone and then he uh they drive to this great you know restaurant at the beach and you know he picks her up and then like on the radios of course is um michael jackson's she's out of my life which is yeah. so fun to hear and like <laughs> yeah. a half yeah. the song plays out with just them silently driving and then um you realize at the end that he's gone full circle and he's right back to her apartment and he goes he's like uh yeah i can't do this and because the song is too evocative for him and it's funny but it's also just terrible he's so terrible to her you know yeah and there's no right to do that you know so yeah. um just one little last thought i have is i don't know who albert brooks is i don't know what he's really like maybe he's warm and sweet and a wonderful person a great you know, husband and dad and you know, relative whatever but meaning i don't know if he's playing like a uh, something like him like you know like a woody allen thing like semi-autobiographical albert brooks might be completely different mm. than a lot of his characters especially this one like but this one is a very uh he's he's repellent he has no redeeming qualities he's 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 um he, yeah he's a real jerk uh, socially you know um and he's totally selfish he's terrible to her she should leave she she's she seems really great she's attractive and she seems very grounded and like like very centered and she just doesn't need a guy like this she's he's just a real he's awful like remember like they go to the party and he can't even listen to uh one of the globetrotters like talking to him <laughs> you know because he's just staring at Mary you know it's just it's 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 horrific almost like a horror movie but also it's just like just really bad social graces you know so anyway what i'm saying is i don't know how autobiographical it is and i would hope and think that he's just completely playing a character uh, sort of a proto yuppie you know a guy in his 30s going into the 80s never went to woodstock always just wanted to kind of make some money and be ambitious and have like a sort of a like a, a middle class kind of success you know and part of that part of the reason he wants to be with her is because it's like she's arm candy kind of to him and status like he seems very shallow is what I'm saying he's a really repellent character um and I don't Marcus? know if I love I don't find him charming but it's funny
0: <laughs> Thoughts? yeah I- I, I th- looked at it as like, uh, you know, there's some relatable things in the breakup. Like, you know, every song on the radio, it's about, he starts listening, every song on the radio is about the breakup, right? That's right. that, uh, we've all experienced that. There's <laughs> like, I thought it was funny that everywhere he goes, he's like, um, he's like uh, telling everybody, I just broke up with somebody. He's explaining why he's behaving that way, you know? Right. And so like the way I interpreted it was, and like, I think there's more, like you're saying, there's more to like his character. But the way that I just sort of like jumped on the ride for the movie was that like he's indulging like there's relatable things about breaking up. And this character is like indulging every bad impulse that you would have, like when you're in a breakup situation, you know, so like he is he's misbe He's sort of like that's what's funny about it, I think, is like he's he's in this relatable situation, but he's doing the the absolute wrong thing that you're not supposed to do. You know, that's that's how I sort of like, yeah, jumped on with the character and went along for the ride there. Yeah,
1: I. I think that the movie kind of has this like first half where it is about the breakup and it is kind of, you know, him dealing with that and processing it and, you know, not trying to give into that. And it's it's th- those are some of the funniest scenes in the movie at that first half, right? He plays into right. the comedy of like, "Oh, yeah. you know, I'm trying not to, you know, break this yeah. moment here and call her back and whatever. I'm but, going to jog. I'm going to take yeah. vitamins. Health. Yeah, vitamins. Health, health, health vitamins, vitamins. <laughs> but um but then it sort of turns when he gets back with her. And I think that the movie does a really incredible, a really, really incredible um, uh, job of being very sincere to the process of someone who does have all the narcissistic neuroses that he has in terms of being so possessive and so uh, jealous. It's terrible. It's terrible. I think, I think that Albert Brooks, uh, you know, nails in this movie that sort of um jealous vibe, you know, when you're in that kind of gray area with someone in, in in a relationship. I think he hits that so nail nail on the head. But and that also impressed uh Stanley Kubrick. You know, Stanley Kubrick Isn't that gone, wild? Who's yeah. gone on tell that gone, story. Yeah, well it's just not much of a story, but Stanley Kubrick's gone on record, you know, of well, after no the no, movie he, came out. Call. He called him. He yeah, called
2: yeah. Albert Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah more after, than once and said uh he was actually inquisitive. He was like, I've always wanted to make a great film depicting jealousy. How did you right. do it? Almost like literally like break it down a bit. You know, he was very impressed. Mm-hmm. And of course he wound up doing Eyes Wide Shut right. uh, later, um, which yeah, might be I love influenced by Modern Romance.
1: I, I love that side of Kubrick's brain where he's into like films like Modern Romance and White Man Can't Jump and shit like that. Like that's so <laughs> – I know. I, I love well, that. can I just that. say
2: just total tangent here is um, – I love hearing those tidbits um, because he also was really sprung on that great film, um, girlfriends, uh, from 1979. Film. We should yeah. do that someday. But, um, you know, someone asked him, was like, what's the best film in 1979? And he's like, girlfriends. And yeah. everyone was just like, what, what, what friends, what is this? You know? And, uh, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's great to show, um, he is, uh, he had good taste. Long story 100%. 100%. Short. Can I just, can I just yeah. say like one thing about it? Um, I, I don't know if I'm confused about his personality or him, the guy robert because you know marcus you're saying like he's he's been uh hit you know with a breakup you know and i understand that and that makes sense to me but i think we've got a deeper problem because i think that you're not given it's at least because you're not given the pre-breakup albert brooks character also he instigated the breakup yeah I was so just like
0: thinking that. Yeah. so he's he,
2: coming they're gonna have dinner and she's like uh how's work you know and then he's like let's break up let's go let's get out of here and so like um he's already coming in hot with some nice a nice big bowl of neurosis yeah so yeah it's so, like, all about yeah. him, it, right yeah so like so so like she, like meaning like they didn't have another one of those big fights or she didn't break up with him or something like that he this is all him you know so he's like a tornado of neurosis and so cuz he says like i'm feeling i have a bad i feel bad inside and i
0: figured out it's because of our relationship or whatever but and it he's probably always is he's always carrying around that yeah, that that I'm feeling bad inside. He's you know, a deeply yeah. troubled person, you know? Well, I was going right. to say, yeah, it's, just, it's
1: very very it's damaged. Still... He's very damaged, and it's all about him. I mean, that's the narcissism yeah, exactly. that, that runs through this movie is that it's, it's all about him, and it has nothing to do with the fact of that, like, if he likes this person or not, because he doesn't genuinely. It's all about control. No. And, having her, like, marry me, breaking, you know, and it's all... Breaking yeah.
2: up is not about the relationship. The relationship's not about the relationship. It's not about her. It's right. all this internal cyclone that he's got going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's a comedy. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. It's very unique. And that's... Wow, inco- I wonder, that really I is a comedy.
0: I wonder how that, like, dovetails, like, his, you know, um, how, he, how he acts in his relationship and how, how he acts in the world with people. How does that... Dovetail with like his professional life because like one of the most interesting things for me in the movie is how much it gets into filmmaking process and editing and like and I, I know we want to talk about those things but I just wonder like is he like is he a good editor you know is he like or is that affecting his, his that his neurosis and affecting like his work I liked, too you know I
2: liked his uh, insight on uh, grabbing that shot of uh, the guy <laughs> instead of having the guy say something. Have him like they just used some B-roll, you know, like, uh like you know, can, and it was um, him looking, you know, back and forth, kind of suspiciously, and to have the, that include the audience—that means he's good. That was a good. That was a good idea. Can we but set that the up?
0: Editor, the director didn't like it, right? Oh, you want to set it
2: up? Go ahead. And, I just yeah, want. Director, I, I, I just want to set, set that. <laughs>
1: I just want <laughs> yes, to set yeah. that part up because it's it's such no, no, a um, totally. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting. Like passage in the movie where uh, obviously once he's back together with Mary, then we're just kind of lingering on this. I feel like almost 20 minute plus little chapter about... It's now like we're the getting, B of the film. It's it the, is, yeah. It's the B story. But it's, almost, it's almost just like right in... The, it's just chunked right in there. It's sandwiched in between the other st- drama of the film where it's yeah. just like, okay, now we're spending time with what Albert Brooks does at work. He's an with editor... Him in his
2: workplace.
1: Yeah, and he's, he's an editor for this really right. low-budget American international picture,
2: sci-fi post-Star Wars It's fi It's That's right. It's a, as we are post-Star Wars, so is the terrible <laughs> film... With, it, it's, it's And he's really ticking off the boxes. And Actually, if I can, geez, there's so much. Um, I could really go off on Aberbrooks just generally speaking, but I think he's, I don't know if he's ahead of his time or something, but sort of. What I'm saying is Definitely. not many people were so savvy that in 1981, maybe people like Harry Shearer and the whole gang, it's going to very quickly be, you know, this is Spinal Tap, of course. But it's that kind of, uh, key, like, really dialing in and getting the accuracy of what a terrible science fiction film would be in 1981 and what i mean is you got to have a hack lead actor which is sort of like um you know like cameron mitchell you know or somebody and in this case it's george kennedy so i'm saying is that's perfect it's like yeah yeah it's like really well but like a little washed up guy like an old hollywood vet who's like hey i'm out of space he's got a pot belly you know like like uh you know like Ernest Borgnine on Mars you know totally so anyway, Ernest Borgnine what I'm saying is he's yeah so what he's getting it, it, like I guess what I'm saying is is that Albert Brooks has the sensitivity and and care and concern for the nuance and subtlety which mm. is so much of all of his comedy right. um to do right. something like that to get a very realistic portrait of the 1981 like sub Battlestar Galactica Rogers in outer space kind of movie like it's like sub Star Wars you know it's like down a notch even like a C oh yeah and of course and he was like well who would be the lead and he didn't like uh toss that off to somebody or like half think about it he was like no we gotta have George Kennedy you know so <laughs> so anyway I just I really appreciate that and just like um it just shows like he has this really he's very attuned to the to the to the richness of the subtlety in comedy and it's not for everybody It's for weirdos like us yeah you know like so much just so much and i'm not like trying to like big up ourselves but just it's it's not for everybody like so much would just fly over a lot of people's heads and it's not even like an age generational thing it's just so much is just gone like if you're not attuned and i'm not again i don't want to compliment us i don't know if that's you know the thing but it's you're you're not at any kind of like three stooges level of comedy, like his comedy mutated in this way. That is some, um, the nuance is insane. Actually spinal tap is relatively broad. And I was also thinking actually about Seinfeld is relatively broad and it's great and it's funny. And Larry David, uh, it's great. It's funny, but it's much broader. It's in the same general territory of like cringe meets like pettiness. And the smallness of life and making something funny out of it but like howard brooks is like subatomic level like he's like <laughs> down several floors where he doesn't do any kind of comedic tell it's all so dry it's like here's a great comic premise a guy buys running shoes oh good comic gold let's do this. <laughs> so what happens well the guy makes him buy too much stuff, and is subtly insulting, uh, you know, about like his commitment to his new life of being a jogger. And it's just like, but it fucking is great, you know. And and, yeah. and also what we're talking about, which yeah. is the nuance yeah. of him editing and getting really d- dug deep and dialing in, you know, to the point where like there's a punchline. This isn't an uncommon punchline. That should say Hulk screaming, not Hulk running. Like his comedy, <laughs> his his attenuation goes so far deep and subtle that that is an Albert Brooks punchline. Very few people do that. Yeah. So you guys know what I mean. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, like Marcus, let's let's bring it back though. To I mean, just just to that that scene that that chapter in the film is. Um, it, I, I was kind of wondering what yeah the, the 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 whole editing stuff. I was just kind of wondering like. Not that he like what's the message of it or what is he trying to say, but it's interesting mm-hmm. that in the in this movie that's baked in there, you know, just this this chapter about process.
0: Yeah, I do wonder what it says about his character, you know, and what it you know it's why it's in there because it is. There's two major, there's like maybe three editing scenes, but two major ones, right? And like maybe we could just hit them in order, and like just for a second, I I do want to say that like for a filmmaker type person, anyone interested in filmmaking, it is really fun to, like, get an a look into what it was like back then with the steam Great. deck and, like, yeah. you know, the actual making the cuts and taping it together and, like, you just, they show, they show you the whole process, basically. And it looks really fun. And I love, too, like, how long filmmaking used to take. and It took two oh. guys and, like, yeah. just any sort of business back then seemed like it took a long time. Like, if you had to send a letter to somebody instead of sending an email you send a letter and then i have to wait a week for them to send it back to you you know i love how business was back then in general yeah. but especially with filmmaking like it seems like it was like a really you know it took a long time so um, tactile, i love how they yeah. show that you know that's that's just sort of like looking back and appreciating it from 2022 but um so i love that stuff but when they are when he's making that first editing scene when they're cutting i love the construction of that scene, the way that they cut that scene is great editing too. The way that they take an audience who's maybe not as savvy when it comes to like the filmmaking process, like a 1981 audience may not be like that clued into like editing, but they do a really good job like leading the person down that path. Like Mm
1: -hmm. they
0: show you the scene twice as like before he makes the edit that changes the tone of the scene, but they make sure the audience really gets the grasp of the scene. They don't just like, they didn't, they, they, I think they thought like, Oh, it might just slip past the audience to watch it once. So let's show it to them again. So they really get it in their brain. Like what was happening in that scene. Then they go back and he, and he cuts that piece out. It cuts out the dialogue line and changes it for the guy doing the, the eye sort of gesture. And I think that's like, it really helps the audience. It's really makes it a very effective scene for the audience. So it's really, I think it's, I mean, I don't know what to say beyond that. It's very cool that they made a, a, a scene about editing that is really well edited yeah. you, know? you know it's funny i
2: just realized something you know we were talking about like the set pieces in the construction of this bad film that he's in the middle of you what's know, funny there's actually only one editing scene but the other scene at the dictate of the of the dumb director played by albert brooks by the way which is so great James and he's Al-Briggs. so great James what did i say oh so, right james yeah. l brooks and yeah. albert brooks's movie but yeah sorry um no but um the other scene is not about editing it's actually the foley it's a foley so it's yeah. two separate things about like the right. inner the inner workings of making movie magic and i mean who doesn't love a good foley scene yeah and it's and it rips dude like so we could maybe <laughs> talk about that so well, see what i love is that like um it's just uh it's a bad film it's, you know it's clear and um, it's low budget and the director is kind of a dummy and you know just to get into the minutia of how these these scenes are working it's the director is shown a very good editing uh, scheme that does improve this terrible film by at least that scene and he just goes yeah that's great but let's not do that and you know what i really care about this is his priority i want his feet to be stomping more when he takes takes the teleporter machine <laughs> and it's like priorities nice so so they get anyway they get into foleying and that's more uh, inside movie magic stuff, that, and it's and it's so funny.
1: Well, let me let me uh, throw in this. Cause it just dawned on me um, because you know we, we're sort of talking about <clears throat> you know how much of Albert Brooks uh, the person is like this character Robert Cole or, or um, not, yeah, or not. And 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 it's kind of interesting because I sort of read those scenes. Obviously, those scenes do help narratively get you know them to the party with the director. So then, yeah. you know, it sets off, it kicks off jealousy stuff, of course. But here's one thing I was thinking of: is like, you know, what would Robert Cole, the character, do if he were making this movie? Oh, of course, he would take some time to be extremely fucking petty about all of the assholes he's worked with over the years. And because um, I've know, I've heard that Albert Brooks over the years is very uncompromising. He's um, uh, very, uh, he doesn't like to mean in the middle when making movies. It's all, it's all his vision or not. Not. And right. I heard something about like a test screening of this movie went down and uh, people didn't get it, you know. And then, as soon as people didn't get it, the studio kind of lost interest. But one of the main things they didn't get huh. was, well, what's wrong with this guy? Uh, he's got a Porsche, he's got a job, he's got right. a
2: hot. What's lady. the problem?
1: What's the problem? But to me, <sighs> Uh, and that just went over everybody's head. But I think in this chapter, he's really doing nothing more than taking a jab at the system and the jab at these dumb other creative people that he's probably had to collaborate with over the years. yeah, because and it's the very, union
2: guys, with yeah. just to, like there's a the director, but also the um who gives a shit union guys or just like, I don't care about you, your movie. The creative choice you're making, when's lunch? Yeah. You know,
0: that's during the full Yeah, that great line when he's like, what do you think? And then he's like, I think you saved the picture. Is that a rap? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then they're like... like, uh, So what...
1: But, but then they're also like uh, the uh, Heaven's Gate crews coming in at
2: eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah. You know? oh, fun. Well, fun fact. Fun fact. The episode of Siskel and Ebert, the patron saints of one fucking hour. Um, they they review modern romance. They both loved it. Um, and then Heaven's Gate. At the same time. Wow. So I love that. It's on uh, the YouTube. But I mean, um, that's
0: funny. So is, is it even a joke then? I mean, because they didn't know that it was a bomb yet, I guess. Right. Like, I guess and, and it's just I guess it's just oh, it's the, a joke.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it was it's the a most joke, notorious but, yeah. thing ever right. because well, I know. He, but
0: was it was it already a uh, sorry? What year? Yes. I'm, I'm losing yes. track of what year. It came yes. out. You're about to explain. It OK, it yes. was
2: a big it was a big uh, controversial thing. No, no. He added that line during the re-editing and Cisco and were reviewing the shorter version that came later.
1: And so, fu-
2: funny. The timing's right. You understand know what I'm saying? They, Cisco and Ebert, when they were reviewing *Modern Romance*, a film with *Heaven's Gate*, they were also reviewing the recut. I see. Saved, ah, got it. Got it. Got it. Got, it. got it. Got cool. it. Thank Let you. me just put Heaven's a bow. *Heaven's Gate* on barely that. came out initially, you know. Right.
1: Let me just put a bow on that. Um, I, I, I just glanced at my notes, and the the uh, studio's reaction to the negative test screening of this movie of *Modern Romance* they they instructed him to add a psychiatrist into the movie so we could at least really so we could at least understand that he has problems as if was it wasn't he needed therapy obvious. Yeah. Yeah.
2: well actually if, if i might there's another thing that's kind of on my mind like forgetting albert Brooks's uh you know career in general and just really getting a nitty-gritty of like 1981 you know this film was compared and he was compared somewhat to annie hall and how Albert Brooks was sort of the LA Woody Allen, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and that works, and it doesn't work, uh, or it generally works. Like because you know this is a this was probably greenlit as much as anything uh, in the glow of uh, Manhattan and Annie Hall. You know, like because uh, yeah. not a lot of post Annie Hall Manhattan movies were made, and uh, the few that did were big bombs. And I think that um, that's probably like uh, Chilly Scenes of Winter is another rare example. Ooh, but, yeah. but, um, kid. yeah, yeah. But yeah, but like, um, well, that's 1972. Right. But, uh, but like, um, anyway, it's just funny to think that there was a time when it was like, uh, the, probably they were spoken of in the same sen- sentence, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, uh, one thing, I guess all I'm really saying is as New York city is Woody Allen's, you know, world, like, I like that, uh, he, he makes a very LA film, you know what I mean? and uh like I said before like it's a great place to walk around lonely at night and he does a nice job of that going to like a like an all-night drugstore and buying you know in these huge aisles very anonymous you know a lot of anomie. and he's buying like you know these you know this harshly lit uh fluorescent lit environment and he's lighting like or he's, he's uh pulling the cord like I love be very much like you know <laughs> uh, teddy bears and it's lots of driving you know the, and-
0: the really popular restaurants that, like Hamburger Hamlet and the, mm-hmm. the Japanese place that that aren't very good food, but they're very popular and people go there a lot. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. So, like, um, anyway, just I guess I'm just saying that I, I kind of like the comparison of uh, you know Woody's New York for Brooklyn. Then one last observation I have, just back to like 1981, is I might have said this before, but um, he's kind of a proto yuppie, and what I mean is he's as a character specific character he's uh, pretty unpleasant but albert doubles it and also makes he re- he's representing a pretty unpleasant kind of person the kind of person that like the dead kennedys would write a song about or something and <laughs> the kind of person who is who could have gone to woodstock they're the right age but they just didn't you know like um, and it's 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 basically a proto yuppie thing you know and it's like and certainly it's an, you see that with like picking up on the health craze which is very yuppie like like hey why are you working out to be super healthy no to look good you know that yeah. kind of thing and and like bourgeois, it's all bourgeois like I'm gonna spend too much money on running shoes you know <laughs> so he's an unpleasant yuppie and that's the comedy and I just find that really appealing because that didn't happen I can't no. I can't think of another film quite like this or another character or, or another depiction you know um but basically, he's he's uh, he's he could kind of hung out with like the big chill people, you know. That's all I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, he's balancing kind of that like perfect sort of intersection of you know being like satirical, you know, at the same time, yeah, but also being like and, and and like being scathing, you know, and also mm-hmm. that sort of like Hollywood mm-hmm. narcissism. It's like both of those things are kind right. of coming together. Well, and I, th- I think I that's what I can
2: also means. say uh recognition like that's a good point actually like um this there is of course satirization of the type you know like i'm saying like like proto yuppie but also there is identification because actually just like uh last time with star wars there's uh this is baby boomer the baby boomer thing is happening you know what i mean (laughs) and i think that um he thought and hoped and probably did uh somehow identify uh, or have you know boomers identify with him because a lot of them are going through the same stuff in fact what's the name of the movie modern romance right about like um you know people and how relationships work uh wherein you know even just 10 15 years before you know it was like uh you marry your high school sweetheart you know what I mean but now it's like hey I'm 32 and I've now on my fourth Like kind of iffy relationship you know and that's why i think that he really spoke to her at the end and proposed to her and got very romantic and was talking about something that was very antithetical somewhat to the modern me generation person i want the white picket fence and kids and it really sung to her because that was in short supply with the singles bars Mm -hmm. and like you know like uh, working out at the gym and like dating and Hook, cheap hookups, singles bar. So I think that there's a few other dynamics going on that are um, uh, specific th- to the time
1: i do also think that that ending though plays a little bit into the trope like he is kind of doing the 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 satire if you will of the 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 traditional rom-com or comedy hollywood ending Hollywood ending, and he's playing into that because obviously then the scroll comes up and it's like nope they broke up they're getting back to that you know it makes that gag right right. but i think it's playing into that with like how cheesy the music is and everything but no um, sure well I think but, both
2: are happening yeah. in, in tandem. It's it's very cool. Yes.
1: yes, it's it's great. Yeah, of course. And 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 I think just to put a bow on all of this kind of the the narcissism or the you know satire or all that stuff we're talking about is you know it's 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 definitely apparent in this movie that, you know, uh, and I think it's done so beautifully well, and I said it before, I just wanted to hammer it home, is that it's it's like he can't let her go. Um, which I think rings very true. maybe this is what Kubrick saw is like he can't let her go because he's so terrified of his own future. You know, he's so f- terrified of where he's gonna go as a person that he's got It sure. doesn't even matter who she is. It's just somebody that's gonna oh, it you know, doesn't there's, matter there's, at all. There's stability in like that. like yeah. his
2: current victim. yeah, current you know. victim. yeah. yeah, right. Um, no, I know. And um, no, and also he's very insecure. and he also um, you know he, he says these kinds of things like, you know what? It's good to be alone it's good yeah. to be by himself and it's like very healthy to be you know have alone time and like this is all countering like this um he probably has a, a very clingy personality and he probably can only like he can't like live with himself in his own skin and and needs to have the validation of her and he's yeah, just uh he's, he's a very terrible uh, self-identity <laughs> it's very rotten and it just um nothing he's doing is is having it go anywhere but I guess the only other thing just to circle back slightly to his career is that he is good and he is driven like even more in the Foley scene like (laughs) he cares and like a lot of people maybe we even know in our lives you know and, and we've met and heard about maybe read biographies like um he really comes alive when he's like what is the space floors on the ship sound like and he's very committed and he's very driven and he's excited like all right go what's this what's the what's the weight of the stupid space transporter thing that the you know the the cheesy spaceman has to you know, run with and if you think about it and you look at it that he comes alive and he's it's he talent, does. he's but very it's happy about it very, he's very driven happy. Yeah. and he's cheering and it might be the only time he's happy in this film is when yeah. they get the shot it's like that is a great foley of the foot stomping and um anyway I think that's one of those things where that might be a, a reveal somewhat of a real Albert Brooks because that's a common thing with creative people is that they're very driven and they don't have a space to have a real relationship and i'm gonna get heavy here for a second relationship to themselves you know what i mean that kind of thing it's all just yeah hey no but it's just but also having a relationship with them or significant other but that's the thing he really comes alive in that foley moment and he does a great job and he's getting very much in the minutia and he's just he's he's driven so i think that was revealing in its own way you know marcus yeah
0: he also like i was just thinking about how he also is a little bit lazy too and he's just so self-obsessed that he like he he basically he bails on work one night and then phones in the next day you know so he can just kind of like uh work on himself or just mope around i guess
2: well, yeah but so, then he comes into work and he comes up with this great idea yeah he's also something he kills, it, he, he kills, it. Something, he kills it on some... the bullying i don't understand yeah. why, what you mean
0: well there's he's also making a, a piece I, i'm just saying like he also uh he maybe he's driven but he also checks out and does his own you know and and doesn't work <laughs> just because he's self-obsessed yeah. he only doesn't work for also, one day like, he only doesn't also, work for the well, one day well, I mean, it's also like just he's making a piece of shit too, like you said. So there's some, there's some tension in the comedy there, right? That he cares so much about this thing, this yeah, movie. But it's that personal
2: gratification. There, so. Look, a driven person is driven, even if the end result is bad. It's like he knows that he killed it on that foley. I mean, it's it's even doubly absurd. It's a bad movie, and it's insignificant in the foleying. And I don't think it's par- like a parody or a satirical thing about like, um, wow, you care so much about this in this insignificant film and this insignificant film i think it's just like just forgetting all the details of that it's when he comes alive and he's really engaged you know what i mean if he was a healthier person he would have well more engagement with himself and his and his significant other the way he does with the foley
1: a hundred percent you guys know what i'm saying no, I I do I do, but in the interest of 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 time here, as the as the clock is ticking,
0: oh boy,
1: um, I did want to uh, talk about Albert Brooks as a just cultural figure. You know, here's somebody who uh, you know we all we all know or we all knew, you know, maybe before we got into his flicks, but like you know, Marcus, you were saying, you know, with that archetypal haircut, you know, that everyone remembers, <laughs> chia uh, pet, yeah, chia pet. It was
0: pet. a little, yeah. always made it a little difficult for me to. get into it i I will admit that like albert brooks is someone who's it's hard for it's having context into his career enriches my appreciation of him i think like it's not something it might be just my age and like i think he's so famous i think everyone knows who he is even if you've never seen one of his films people have heard his name a lot and i think you know what he looks like at least that's how it was for me and i knew that that hair too which was which felt. I, even as a kid, it felt very dated to me. So I know it's very superficial, but it, like it's just something that—that's um, his well, gimmick. You know, sometimes you put up—you put up mental blocks because you just you look at something, and you read it a certain way, and I think that's how his his hair was like a signifier for me that meant like old boomer kind of thing. And there is a little bit of that <laughs> boomerness. I mean, like you said, he's sort of like an archetypal boomer or something. So it's like there's some generational. There are there are generational things with him that make it harder for me to identify with his character or his body of work sometimes. And um, I think it is something a a little bit like, like if you're, you know, he's so influential, right? Like he was sort of like inspired a lot of the comedians that we know so well, Steve Martin, for instance, or something. So like, so you can, when I watch his films and and I look at the year when it came out or watch some of his old comedy, You know, Tom, you sent me those awesome Sessanel clips. Aren't those great? Those are amazing. And if you watch those, you look at the year when they're made, and then you look at what was going to come out, you see, you understand the context of him and, like, how he was, like, how influential he was and how ahead of his time he was. It's sort of like, it makes it, just if I can finish, like, it's sort of like, you know, um, for me, it's like I grew up listening to Led Zeppelin or something, and, like, but so it made it harder for me to like blues, like the authentic blues, right, because it sounded like, old to me, but like when you get older and have a more sophisticated appreciation for something, then you can like look and see how those things all kind of built up into like being, you know, the, the popular form of it. I don't know. So that's, that's sort of like Hmm. my experience with Albert Brooks broadly.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, to speak to that, um, like, uh, I was thinking recently, like he's so razor sharp and so markedly different. And I'm talking early. I mean, he was on variety shows in 1970, 1971, 72, and he was doing, I'll just give you one example. Feel free to look it up, folks, on uh, YouTube. There's one where he does a ventriloquist dummy. It's on a, a, a Sullivan show, and wow. uh, he's doing a ventriloquist dummy, and it's it, this is the kind of thing that's hard to appreciate now because of everything that followed. It's just he was so different. He was into cringe in, like, 1970. And like really 1970 was either corny Jerry Lewis or like freak out, man, George Carlin. And like, kind of like Richard Breyer. And those guys are great. I'm just saying that here's this guy, Albert Brooks, and it's very, feels like it's LSD stoner kind of influenced because it's wrong. He's into wrong cringe, uh, 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 uh anti-humor. Like yeah. he just real quick, this ventriloquist dummy thing is he comes out and goes, hi everybody. And he's this ventriloquist and he doesn't even try, to not speak so the ritual is going the, the dummy is going like this and he's just talking as the dummy's talking. and then at one point he goes hey hey the phone's ringing and he just drops the dummy on the ground <laughs> on the stage <laughs> and still occasionally is talking like the dummy like and he's just wandering around and looking in his trunk and you know he's like um hey uh hey uh, yeah no no totally i know what you mean but uh, the fucking dummy and they i know he insisted that the director of the tv show because it was live he's like cut to the dummy lying dead looking on on the stage and that just all i'm saying is that just did not happen right quick cut to everything and then get to um tim and eric and i'm not kidding like really it's that like is this even funny stuff you know or right. that like that show right. you should leave right. on netflix and then the other little tiny thing that's very influential and, and or at least ahead of its time is he in, kind of invented the mockumentary right uh you know oh. and like like and he was really fascinated by the uh, tropes of pop culture he made this hilarious thing that was like a mid-season replacement reel of shitty 70s television shows and one is called black uh, veterinarian and it's just <laughs> this you know black man and his family and they're talking about like that horse is never gonna walk again and it's like son did you milk the cow and it's like this big family drama of otherwise would be in like an urban context and they're talking about ducks and like uh, feeding the chickens. And it's just like, I know I'm saying and it doesn't sound funny, but, but, <laughs> that's but, but it's, it's,
0: it's yeah. that's Albert Brooks. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> what
2: I'm saying is he, he understands the nuances of the tropes of the given media pulp culture thing. And he plays it out very straight yeah. again. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but just he does yeah. it so dry. That's yeah. the last thing. It's like people got were, it. Everyone comedy usually tells even all <laughs> through these years that he's the driest guy that's all i was want to say
1: uh but I, I also just you know just put a button on that another movie we should do on this show i won't get into it too much cuz it's a whole other movie but you know real life as well you know which came out a few yeah. years before this real life is also ahead of that too way ahead of the curve in terms of Really melding is. in mockumentary and making like a PBS special about like the about the family, the modern family. You know, I mean, it's a, it's, it's reality a perfect, television. So it's, it's reality television before reality television. So he yeah. he's he's on the cusp of so much. Um, yeah, but but one thing. But Ebert uh, Ebert no likey. Uh, <laughs> Ebert
2: didn't like real life, and and really? I could, and I kind of. No, but but they both well uh, uh, Cisco loved real life, but they both did join together hand okay. in hand and, right. and and were really into modern romance. Which is All nice right. to see. You know, I just love um Anyway, so yeah, running out of time. I, I know I want to well, get to a couple set pieces, but I was just going to me. say that. What I was, was just going
1: to gonna say that. Just going to set that up. Um, yeah, so obviously you know we've been talking about the themes of the movie and, and Albert Brooks's characters, but the, and you know but I guess most of this most of episode doesn't even sound like a freaking comedy, but there are scenes is, in this movie. Really telling. Yeah, it's just yeah. really telling of how great and it is. And then he
2: kills his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. He puts her in the car <laughs> yeah. and then he drives off the pier. Yeah. It's such a I was not I did not see that coming. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. I love <laughs> that exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. But it's a punch in the gut.
1: But 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 there are scenes. Uh, all joking aside, there are scenes that uh are it's small, a very funny movie truly <laughs> extremely funny just from a physical comedy standpoint um i guess the, the one that jumps to mind i think probably the most successful well, of that
2: how about this if you thought wolf of wall street was the greatest depiction of a quaalude uh freak you're wrong or at least there's <laughs> heavy good. competition there's some <laughs> real competition good. <laughs> I'm just saying, this is a yeah. this is a, another powerhouse of a Quaalude scene. Yeah, modern romance,
1: modern-, uh, modern romances, Quaalude scene walked, so uh, Wolf Wall Streets could potentially <laughs> run. Um, but the that's another um, boomer part of
0: it that will never quite understand, right? Oh, the Quaaludes, I know. Quaaludes no. are gone. Yeah, that's
1: it's part of it. It's yeah, that's and that's kind of fun, and that and, and, and that's kind of fun, and 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 like you said, the dryness. Of this, of terms of like when he gets home and he's like, yeah, he calls his, you know, uh, he calls his AE assistant editor guy. And he's oh, like, yeah, I took like the card- it's- a
2: side note, the great, late great Bruno Kirby. Right. From yes. Godfather 2, Chauffeur, Spinal Tap. Yeah. Very and, funny. And City Slickers. <laughs> no, actually, also, he's great in, um, in Rob Reiner's, uh, you know, Nora Ephron penned um, When Harry Met Sally, I which love- is all oh, part right. of the family. Right. Because yeah. Rob Reiner and, and yeah. Albert Brooks are like best friends. You know, I love I, it. Rob Reiner. Are Steve you reading Yes, yeah. I
1: Can by Sammy Davis Jr.? <laughs> right, right. Like, like
2: <laughs> What that should be called?
1: Yeah, you don't know what that should be called? That scene is under, yeah. underrated. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good.
2: Anyway, yeah. sorry. So, yeah, he calls Bruno Kirby. Because hold on. To go back was-
1: to your saying, that is a fucking, they got limo driver in New York City down so right. Are you reading? <laughs> yes, I can by Sammy Davis Jr. All right. Anyway. <clears throat> so, anyway. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. So he's guess, calling Bruno, his right. uh, his, uh assistant editor. No, he's I know. Calling,
1: I know. He's, he's calling Bruno, and he's like, "Yeah, I uh, took the Quaila. I I I took both of the Quailas. You took both, you know." And took so both. You took both, and it's great. It's a great comedic setup for the for the rest of the scene, and I mean, it's just amazing. Where you know yeah it's so good i mean
2: playing of the record and but go ahead well he plays my album he's like i love all my great albums i'm gonna listen to a song i'm gonna listen to music (laughs) he's like he's fitful he's like doesn't know what to do with himself but he's also sluggy and slurry and he goes let me put on an album and he just grabs it and it's um a fifth of beethoven the disco yeah uh, yeah, beethoven and he goes yeah and he goes like uh Oh yeah, this is a good beat. He's talking to his bird Petey, like this is a good beat and he's like, Oh, this makes me sad and it's like it's so demented. And then he has lots of like a cringy phone calls that he won't remember, you know, and he's like insulting this guy, you're a trash can, you know. And um I love how real and, time
1: uh, it is, the whole scene is like Yeah, I was
2: thinking about that. It plays out essentially, you know. Yeah, so
1: no, I was just gonna say and like him, him interacting with the bird too is so good. Petey, Petey. yeah,
2: yeah, like. Petey. Ellen, I got a lot of great friends. I got friends. So yeah, I'm calling <laughs> random people. No, so so that's a big set piece. Um, we were talking about supporting cast. You know, um, of course, Bruno Kirby, love him, uh, miss him, and um, but then also his brother. Uh, well, let's just set this up because this is so fun. There was an, an old Borscht Belt comedian. Named Pak Yakakis, which was his, you know, stage name, and he had a couple boys, a couple kids, and um, uh, uh, before, I mean, yeah, he had them before he died on the radio. Albert Brooks's father was doing um, some shtick on live radio in like 1957 or something, and he's like, "Hey, everybody, hey, I don't feel so good." Hey, I said no, no, no. and he fucking has a heart attack and dies on the radio. Wow, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, isn't that insane? Good God, but, but yeah, I know.
2: But but he decides to call um, his son um, Albert, and the real name of that family is Einstein.
1: Right. right.
2: So Parky right. Krauss is whatever Einstein, and he he goes, I'm going to call him Albert. So he's Albert Einstein, and um, oh. which is insane. And he changes it to Brooks. But um, his brother, his older brother, is um, Super Dave Osborne,
1: who passed away
2: recently. What's that?
1: Funkhauser, uh for those who are Kirby yeah, fans right, out there,
2: right? from Kirby Enthusiasm, and he yeah. was Super Dave Osborne, who would do um, this is more cringe and like fail wrongness, where he would do terrible, <laughs> evil can evil stunts like that didn't go well, like he didn't go anywhere in the rocket or whatever, like and um, he, got, he
0: got hurt in the end, right? Like he yeah, was, he it was would,
2: just cringe, like fail. It was like fail comedy. So anyway, there's a great scene I mentioned earlier where um, he's so deadpan, so great with his brother Albert comes in and wants to get into jogging. Health, vitamins, running, and, and like, uh, anyway, there's a good set piece there. Yeah, vitamins. I need more e vitamins, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: and uh, anyway, just uh, it's great to see his brother and him because I don't think that happened much, I wasn't really documented so much, but him, yeah, super dev- hard, it was very cool, you know. Um, yeah, also and obviously,
1: well, just just that jogging scene, just to shout it out for a minute, is uh, oh, is, a, is is another kind of famous moment from the movie, and it's awesome. Just that that set piece of him running right into the telephone booth. Is, I know, uh, classic it, shit, and that's
2: that's good. That's good physical comedy, you know. Yeah. Well, he's like this. He's like stretching, and he's like one, two, three. I don't even miss her. One, two, three, <laughs> and he's going like up what like run 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 run, run, run phone both, you know yeah yeah it's pretty good he's horrible. Pretty he's so horrible you know yeah it's pretty and good. um and just like and he's just got it's it gets it can get pretty oj you know like like <laughs> that thing where he's he's like sort of casually snooping and he's like oh it's a phone bill and yeah. it's like well i could let that go and say hey that's her phone bill mm-hmm. but no what is it and it's like oh and he's like like adding things up like so you called new york city at midnight and then the next morning at 7am and both were like two hour phone calls. Like it's gotta be her lover. And it's just like, it makes you yeah. kind of sick. It's it very follows gross. that. It follows I that can see thread. Women not liking this film. You know, yeah. It, 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 it's it, it fo- unpleasant.
1: It follows yeah. that thread really in a disturbing yeah, disturbing way. No, Marcus? and you know what?
2: You're right. Because just the last thought is just what you said uh, is it's a little, um, bifurcated the film where it's, um, yeah desperate longing but then the second half really exposes and elaborates on the obsession and it gets very horror movie and it's it gets a little hard to watch like when he's looking at her in the phone booth it's like like i said it's it's out of a horror movie marcus
0: uh, I was just thinking just over the course of this conversation, just as we're breaking down the character and like what works about the movie and what doesn't. or Not not, well, not what doesn't, what makes it different, right? We've been saying a lot that the, yeah. there's not a lot of films like this. And no. one thing that's occurring to me is that like it's the character itself, like he's so repellent, like you said. And it's it's not like typical in like American comedy for that, right? Like we want someone with redeeming qualities. We oh. want someone that... Right, either pays for everything they've done that's wrong, or they've got some warmth to them, some redeeming character characteristic. Or, or, you know, or they like,
2: learned a life lesson. You know, it's yeah, exactly. like they have you know to what? learn something. I've been and... a cad. Like, let, let, uh, let me listen to you now. Like, you know, like no. he's he's the same guy for first <laughs> no. frame, last frame.
1: And the movie, yeah. just the movie just perpetuates that toxicity even into the l- credits of the film. You know, it's ama- it's No, no, insane. it's so tense.
2: How tense is that car ride to the cabin? It's like, um, yeah, yeah. well, you know, it's like uh, life, like uh, a kiss is more important than life. And she's like, sure, you know, because because he's trying to kiss her and drive. Yeah, she's like, you, you know, it's an accident. Yeah, yeah. But Marcus, he's what like, were you saying? I uh, was just thinking like how people take. I mean, you
0: can see like echoes of this type of this character in, in other comedies. People that behave badly and people that are terrible people in comedies, but. Like you said, like I was saying, there's some sort of redeeming thing or some warmth thing or something that they pay for about it. You could kind of see like how people like down the line might might take this sort of uh, as like a framework, but retool it a little bit, make the character a little bit warmer or whatever, you know, and that I I could see. I don't know what the state if this movie was a hit or not. I suspect it wasn't. But OK, not
2: really.
0: But uh, yeah, I could see where people would make little tweaks to the to the formula and down the road, and like it's sort of like I'm just imagining it like the uh, like the British Office or something, like how at that time it was like really repellent for Americans to have this character. Be now it's different, 2022. Right? um, Yeah, when they adapted (laughs) it for America, you've got. They gave that they the the boss like some warmth and some and some redeeming qualities because oh, right, that's, we well, that's, well, that's what we what want. that's what happens as, as Americans
2: between season one and two. You're absolutely right. That's a really good example, and I guess that's an American thing, and certainly not a UK thing. But in season one of The Office, if we all remember, Michael was repellent and alienating, and um, mm-hmm. not unlike someone like an Albert Brooks, you know, like. Uh, and and then they warned the beginning of season two like during the, you know, giving out the, the, the Dundies or whatever. And it's total like warmth and pathos, I think is the word, you know, and it's just like, why? Like, wh- I, I really yeah. don't understand that. Why know? does it and have I've to never... be
1: relatable? Why does it have to be, why yeah, do we have to identify with this? And hopefully Something about we
2: American audiences, you know? Hopefully
1: we don't fucking identify it's, with, I do uh, go. Uh,
0: why? And at the same time, I, I understand it too. Do you know what I mean? Just because we grew up in this culture. Like I, I feel I, I like, I open myself up to new experiences and different tastes or whatever, obviously, but I do Understand where people are, like where the general public comes from. I understand why those things don't work, just not sophisticated. I just like in my gut, you know what I'm saying. Okay. As well, like,
2: Americans are are a, are a toddler civilization. Yes, and we're very, and we're, it's a very immature country, uh, literally and figuratively, and it just can't handle the truth. You know, it just doesn't like <laughs> things like 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 someone. It's all fairy tale. Like someone, like don't they go to the castle and get married, and they they shine with the light of like self-understanding and awareness and you know, mutual love and they learn and grow and it's like if you don't have that you know even Annie Hall has a little bit of sentimentality and growth which is fine yeah. with it, but, but, Certainly. but fucking modern romance is ice cold yeah. you know what I mean even Annie Hall yeah. you know has some sentimentality it is know? ice That's the thing. cold it's yeah. so ice cold yeah. and I'm surprised anybody saw it yeah. you know um, it's, it's not for everyone and again yeah. I could see so many people repelled by it it's not when is this going to be funny i well, hate him <clears throat> Like you know like i'm bored well, you know why American are talking <laughs> about editing what's going on i mean i i would get all criti- critiques of this film
1: not yeah me. i mean i mean you know and and just like the the our society you know in terms of movies and everything it's so capitalist driven so it's let's make it as general audience and as wide as possible yes. so everybody can appreciate it and broad identification and there's only a very small subsect of people who would who would get something out of this movie with a character that repellent. I mean, we look at this now and we go, holy shit, like this is saying something about the, the darker side of the male ego and the male sort of uh, narcissism. And it's really actually quite poignant in that way, even though the character never gets uh, redeemed or never gets any, anything. because we that's have much, some
2: insights and, right. you know,
1: but that's much more yeah. honest. That's much more honest to, because to, no one ever has that realization. Sorry.
0: That instinct to have those kind of characters existed back True. then, too. It's not like we invented it, like, you know, around the office time or whatever, you know, like, so to have characters with redeeming qualities, and it's interesting. I mean, I guess, I don't know, I'm just theorizing now. He grew up, if he grew up in a showbiz family, like you're saying, you know, like, he's probably, that is something else that he's reacting against, I guess, is creating this character that is doing, is that is exists in this world that's, you know, he's sort of, uh, I guess he's fighting against the way that uh, comedic heroes would work and other things. So I don't, maybe it was, I'm sure it was a conscious yeah, thing. Yeah, I know what to, you like, mean. Play, like
2: you know. he's not Danny Kaye or something like that.
0: Yeah. Right. Also, I mean,
2: yeah. Go ahead. also, I think there's a, there's a general bitterness. It's like, it, it might yeah. not seem like, but he's yeah. got that um, post-Watergate, yeah. yeah, like post-Watergate, <laughs> you know, fuck you kind of um, attitude, uh, especially right then.
1: And, and the so editing scenes too, with with just with entertainment yeah. business in general. And growing, yeah. if you like, if you grew up in the entertainment world and you saw your dad's weird Carney fucking friends and all that shit, you would <laughs> you would you would definitely be able to sharpen your yeah. you know details. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And, like, how know. about this? It's like um, someone like George Kennedy. Like, hey, that's a funny story. I should tell that next time on Merv Griffin. You know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. like it's that kind of uh, p- patter. Yeah. You know, showbiz patter. That's true. Yeah, he was. I love. That. I don't know how much it's borscht showbiz i don't know how that relates yeah. to hollywood but but he was a hollywood brat kind of because you know again he, he was best friends with rob reiner and carrie fisher because wow. they were all kind of sons of showbiz people right 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 carl reiner yeah. carrie fisher that's uh you know um what's his name uh, uh debbie reynolds you yeah. know
1: yeah, and yeah
2: they're yeah. like best friends actually um side note is that uh yeah like uh, debbie reynolds did mother with albert brooks in the 90s oh yeah she came out of retirement after like 25 years that's right only because dear albert you know like like uh you know my daughter loves you so much i loved you when you'd come over and play he always wanted to get them together that's cool i'm just saying like uh it's a weird there's a weird kind of um world that albert is from that is somewhat unrelatable to a lot of last people.
1: last thing I want to get is just a little Probably one, fuck, w- w- uh, just a one fucking hour Easter egg, uh, of course, because you know we love Duncan on Peter B on this show, and of course I just had to laugh just for you all of us did? here with what? that oh, with right. that with that reference where you know he's going to meet Ellen for the right. date, and he's like, "You work for Peter Bogdanovich? We met at the Nickelodeon premiere." Yes,
2: that's Was my she? favorite shit ever. <laughs> yeah, the, the woman he calls while he's on Quaaludes and can't remember who she is. It's like right. I met you during the uh, Nickelodeon rap party, Nickelodeon, yeah. <laughs> nineteen seventy. Like it's like the middle of the flops, yeah. Or so almost the tail end. Oh, it's, it's like oh, it's like, it's, in it's in past there, yeah. Daisy Miller. It's yeah. past at Long Last Love, and then fucking Bog- Someone paid bugged to make another movie, Nickelodeon, that no one wanted and no one saw. <sighs> and I love that. So yeah, that's the kind of detail that he's so great at.
1: Bing, bing, bing. Uh, 100%. Uh-oh,
2: somebody went three seconds over.
1: I think they did. Is there a penalty? Take it out of my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So there you go. That was uh, one fucking hour on modern romance, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning yes. in. We did it. I feel like there's a lot left on the table. Um, there is. You know, there is. There always is. There always is. This show was inherently flawed um, uh, with its framework. But uh, great and with the movie. F word in the title, yeah. Seriously, yeah. seriously. we're just dinged from Ding- jump, doomed from birth, born dead. Yeah. Um, but uh, I will say, if you haven't seen the movie, definitely go your way to see uh, Modern Romance. Uh, check out Real Life. Uh, Defending Your Life uh, is another great film too. That's and, great. Lost yeah. in
2: America is Lost fucking America. awesome. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's a yuppie movie. He really yeah, scares is. the yuppies in that one. 100%. It's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's great. so good.
1: So, um, all all sorts of great stuff. One thing I didn't mention is you might notice my background is a little bit different. I'm still on the road, still here in Hollywood. So n- not back at the uh, one fucking hour HQ, but uh, we'll be next week. And uh, let's uh, let's talk about next week, Marcus. You're you're on your European vacation, right?
0: Yeah, yeah I'm gonna go to. I'll uh, see you, and for my Irish fans, uh, I'll see <laughs> you. <laughs> Coming to Ireland I and that. At Portugal. So, yeah. uh, Dick. keep an eye you'll out for me. At,
1: you'll, you'll be down at O'Malley's signing autographs for everybody and uh, <laughs> on June 24th. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> right. So, I got some
0: coverage lined up for my uh, one fucking hour work duties. So, right. right. So, you guys can right. continue on. I got someone to cover for me. Keep yep. the fire
1: burning. Yep. Yeah, we sure do. <laughs> We're going to be tagging in Ramey uh, to come back uh, next week. And, um, we asked her what uh, film she wanted to bring on the show, and we were both Tom and I thrilled about it. So Marcus will be out uh, next week, but he'll be back the following week. And next week with Ramey, we're going to cover one fucking one flipping hour, excuse me, yep. um, on on personal- Finding Nemo, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Finding Dory, yeah, Finding. Tom. All right,
2: <laughs> yep. get it right. With Albert Brooks' voice.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: That's why I came up with it. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Okay, we're
1: late to the party. One flip an hour on personal best. Okay, you might not have heard of this film, but it is a gem of the early eighties, starring Marion Well Hemingway. About a bummer. Yeah, total bummer. Marionwell Hemingway uh, film on her road to the uh, what do they call it? The Olympics. That's right. And it's it's a sort of track and field uh, lesbian drama. I'm very excited yeah. about
2: this. Well, and and the thing is, it is very special film actually for really almost uh, not almost but for a particular reason. It's the one directorial effort by Robert Town. Right. The um you know the wrote, the legendary Chinatown. Uh, he wrote China Yeah, time, all right? kinds of. Well, he was, he was a script doctor all over the place. He was all over right. all your favorite right. '70s movies, basically. Right. And uh, you know, a compatriot of the whole Raging Bulls and Easy Riders world. And he only made one film. Uh, he wrote and directed it. And uh, very challenging, very, um, very heavy. We're back to the early '80s. Mm-hmm. It's a year after Modern Romance. And um, yeah, i really look forward to it. I need to dust it off. I need to rewatch dust it. Dust it off. And then maybe. It's, yeah. Yeah. And so, well, you know, by the way, I thought. Oh, please.
1: I was just going to say, it has some of the best freaking slow motion uh, you'll ever see, uh, is in this film.
2: Um, just had to throw that out because I love me some slow motion. But go on, what were we going to say? Slow sports is what it's all about. Exactly. Slow motion sports. But no, I was just going to say, um, you know, we're, we got some stuff cooking, uh, you know, because I, I was like, let's have a little fun. <laughs> Star Wars was fun. And uh, I I thought Modern Romance was like, oh, it'll be fun, it's a comedy, but it wasn't. Anyway, what I'm trying to say (laughs) is um, we're going to lighten the mood maybe after Personal Best and have um, something, uh, you know, pretty sparkly and fun and maybe even uh, a fail because uh, that's a part of the tradition of the show, We're like a big, fat fail. Uh, We call them Magnolias around here. (laughs) (laughs) So stay tuned. Yeah. No. What like magnolia. Our, you know. No. I know. And, right? I know. Yeah. 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 Not, I know. But, but like what, um, yeah, yeah, right. So that. So stay tuned for that. We're gonna. We're gonna get yeah. kind of playful and start. Because you know, I was thinking, guys. The first movie we did was a magnolia. We did psycho ninety eight. That was our second
1: know? film. That was our second film. Come on. deliverance. Oh, You're,
2: right, You're right. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, but anyway, it was early, and um, you know, I kind of missed that. I think it's gonna be the summer. So, you know, stay tuned for all kinds of stuff. You know, we're yeah. we're cooking up new titles. You know.
1: Yeah. Definitely. uh, Let's do a
2: fail. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Fails are so much fun. Fails and magnolias, as we call them. There's so many out there. There's so -hmm. so many to do. Um, But uh, all right, everybody. Well, that was uh, one fucking hour again on Modern Romance. Marcus, safe travels. Um, We will see you week after next. Come back in one piece. Uh, and yeah, everybody check out Personal Best. Get that pre-watch in. I think it's just on Amazon. It should be everywhere. So it's either Amazon or Criterion Channel, I think. Either one. It's it's there. Check it out. It's, it's an amazing film. And uh, it's definitely around. And But we can't let you out of here without your moment of <laughs> zen. <laughs> and uh, all right, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend. And we'll see you next week. All right, everybody. Bye.
0: Bye. bye. Well, we're almost out of time. You know,
2: we'll be filming all around the country in the next few months. If you see us, please don't hesitate to come up and say, I'm Jack from Cincinnati.
1: I enjoy you. Well, thank you, Jack. (laughs) Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef.
2: That's it good. That's great. good. Huh? Okay.